and you're listening to the Chris and Joe show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. We're coming off of another difficult loss for the New York Giants as they fell to the New England Patriots 35 to 14, a game in which it was kind of close at halftime and then everything pretty much fell apart from there. Lack of offensive production in the second half, uh, lack of ability to stop the Patriots offense from putting additional points up on the board. There were also some special teams miscues that came out in this game. So like we typically to do immediately after a game, we're going to be giving you our quick takes and our takeaways from the game right after uh, the final play was made, our gut reactions here. And first to kick things off, why don't we go right into our first positive? And that being, it was nice to have Alec Ogletree and Lorenzo Carter back. Yeah, definitely. You know, the Giants really missed having their speed on the defense, especially going downhill, which, you know, we saw both of them got pressure on Brady Ogletree with a, with a blitz Carter, just blowing past the tight end, getting that strip sack that led to a touchdown. So it was good to have both of those guys back and just let the defense play a little bit more aggressively, a little bit faster than we saw last week. Alec Ogletree might not be the most perfect linebacker, but it's still very apparent the difference level in his performance compared to Nate Stupar, who was pretty much playing in replacement of him um, while he was hurt. And you just saw that his ability to make plays, stop plays at the line of scrimmage, he made some pretty good tackles. And then the one sack that he had in which he made a pretty clean spin move to make a play on uh, Tom Brady and take him down. So overall, though, just having him back, having Lorenzo Carter back, there was an obvious more element, like additional element to this defense that they weren't as scarce up the middle of the field. Yeah, I think we saw a Giants defense that was just able to play a little bit, a little bit faster, a little bit more physical up front than we saw against the Vikings, who they just kind of picked on Nate Stupar and were really able to do kind of what they wanted, especially on the ground. Up until the second half, this defense was actually having a relatively good performance compared to the ways that they've looked against other competent offenses this season, it started to go downhill if you think about it in the sense that the offense was not moving the ball and time of time of possession was being dominated by the Patriots in the second half because of it. And ultimately, you're just going to be able to move the ball more, rack up some more yardage and score some more points if you're outplaying them in time of possession. They were able to make plays as a whole. They were able to be a little bit more consistent. I think it was just an overall very good performance in that first half we just need to see those things that they were that worked well in the first half, like the interception, like the sacks. Those things correlate into the second one. I think we want to be careful not to take too much away from the defense for their play in the second half because this is Bill Belichick. This is the Patriots. They, they're they at their best making adjustments at halftime, figuring out what you do, and picking that apart, which I think was what we saw in the second half. The Patriots made some adjustments they started going back to the kind of quick passing game, hitting the running backs as receivers, and then they were able to take their shots down the field. The Patriots definitely seemed to come out flat. They didn't seem to have a real good feel for what the Giants were going to do on defense in the first half, and we saw the Giants take advantage of that, which was something I don't think we've really seen on defense yet this year. 
the Giants never really took advantage of mistakes like they did against the Patriots. It really is going to be difficult to make a strong performance happen in that second half against a legendary coach that's very good at making adjustments like that and acknowledging what's not working, making those changes and readjusting and making sure they're back to what they're capable of doing. Uh, another thing, and it's a little bit more on what we're talking about, how it was more noticeable in the first half, was the pass rush and the defensive line shining at times. Wasn't a completely clean game, was not perfect all the way throughout, but there were instances where they looked good. They were pretty stout on a, a significant number of running plays where they were able to sniff things out in the backfield, um, behind the line of scrimmage, or right at the line of scrimmage, maybe a little bit yard past or so. Those are the types of plays that are very, very important for forcing an offense into a third and long type of a situation. One of the things that really impressed me was that the Giants seemed to learn. They didn't make the same kind of halftime adjustments that the Patriots made, but like that quick little shovel pass, almost a pop, or I'm not quite sure what you want to call it, that we saw gash the Giants in the first half, they didn't let that get anywhere in the second half. Personally, I thought that was good to see. And then also, you know, the sacks in the first half were great. You know, had Marcus Golden just kind of brush Marshall Newhouse aside to get the first one. Had a really nice speed move by Lorenzo Carter for the strip sack and the touchdown there. And then again, Ogletree on the blitz up the middle. So I think these were all things that are positive signs for the defense. Now they just need to kind of keep them up, but they'll also need the offense's help for that. That defensive touchdown that they were able to score off of that incredible pass rush move and sack by Lorenzo Carter, Marcus Golden being the one who scored the touchdown, that was very promising early in the game because it set the Giants up to be very, very close at that point. And it just so happened they weren't able to get any more stops after that. They weren't able to um, move the ball offensively, which, again, that led to what the final score was. It led to the issues that that came out in the rest of this game. Um, We're going to take a look at the negatives very quickly, but before we do that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. In any loss, it's very, very easy to come out here and talk about all the negatives, and we're going to highlight a few of them. Once we go into the deep dive like we always do, that's when we're going to be a little bit more keen and detailed on specific things after we have the chance to look at the tape. So first things first that needs to be acknowledged, and you might know I am a special teams advocate. The first thing that needs to be pointed out was the special teams mishap, the blocked punt that led to a touchdown, a free seven points, given to the Patriots, and that was specifically because Nate Stupar was beat very cleanly on a bull rush move by Brandon Bolden, who completely pushed him back, was not able to get in any position, actually block Brandon Bolden, and Nate Stupar was pushed back so quickly that Riley Dixon was continuing his punt steps, and kick the ball right into the back of his head. So Nate Stupar continues to be a liability, even when he's not on defense continually. He's now a liability on special teams. Yeah, you're the special teams guy. I don't know that I've ever seen a punt get blocked by the protector's head. When you say you got to use your head, that is not what coaches mean. It can't be what they mean. (laughs) 
but I, I don't know that I've ever seen it. Have you ever seen anything like that? I don't think I can really think of an example where I've seen that. It's just it's just an example of bad play and sloppy performance just not being in the right position at the right time. You can tell a player is not good if in a situation like that on special teams they can't find a way to be in the right position. Yeah, and just blocking like that, getting blown up like that, it's just not good. Another negative that is noticed from this game was Daniel Jones, his overall performance, three interceptions is his worst performance this season. We'll be able to better dissect that after looking at the tape. But one thing that was very noticeable was just him holding onto the ball way too long. Yeah, and that's something he has seemed to have a tendency to do, which it's probably because he's a rookie, he wants to make the play, he's excited. Sometimes you just got to learn to throw it away, live to play another down. You know, we have seen him hold the ball and hold the ball and hold the ball and wait for receivers to work open, and they're just not working open. Otherwise, on the other hand, we've also seen him throwing into coverage a lot. Since he's been on the field, he might have the highest rate of throwing into coverage of any quarterback in the NFL. That's partly on the Giants coaches. They need to scheme him some more open looks. Guys like Brady or Pat Mahomes, they're never throwing into coverage. And yes, they're great quarterbacks, but that also has a lot to do with the offensive scheme. But I think part of this is just going to be the maturation process of Jones just learning when to know when to hold him and no one to fold him really that's a great point in acknowledging his development and what's currently stunting him and I think another thing that goes in line with this that better illustrates the situation is we've seen a lot more of this in the last two games because he was playing two very very good secondaries with very very good corners that were good at tracking and following receivers very, very closely. So he did not have very many opportunities to hit receivers in stride like he did against the Redskins and the Bucks because, well, he was playing a significantly worse defense and a significantly worse secondary. So he needs to learn what to do when actually facing a competent defense with a good defensive coordinator and very, very good cornerbacks because – if it doesn't look like it's going to be there, you can't sit there and hold the ball, and you also can't force it into a situation that can lead to a pick or could lead to an incomplete pass. All quarterbacks will do that on occasion. Today we saw Brady do that. He held the ball and held the ball and held the ball, and that was when Carter got his strip sack. I don't, I don't think he ever felt the pressure coming, and it's a mistake all quarterbacks make on occasion. But eventually they learn, kind of develop that clock in their head, feel the defense, and just know I have this amount of time. If I can't get through my progressions or find an open receiver, then get rid of it. Live to fight another down. It also seems like there's not really any available check down for him. It just seems like whatever running back's in there has not been an option if things are not available for him, someone just to dump it off to and maybe get four or five yards out of that play. Hopefully, when Saquon Barkley comes back, 
Daniel Jones is able to find him in those situations, and they can develop that kind of a chemistry. If you have a run, uh, a young quarterback, developing quarterback, and a young explosive running back, that's the kind of relationship you want to help nourish and create because if they can figure each other out and find each other in those situations, it just makes the offense move a little bit more efficiently. It also makes something the defense has to stop um, and be expecting. I think defenses are kind of expecting it to a point because you do see them kind of sitting on those quick, those swing passes back behind the line of scrimmage and then collapse down on them. I would like to see more check down options, but check down options that actually have a chance of generating positive yards, not make the running back have to pick up five yards before he even gets to the line of scrimmage. We saw that a lot with Saquon Barkley, who actually had more yards after the catch than he had total yardage last year. Our final point, this is a pretty broad one. It's just in the sense that the Giants need to find a way to hang in these close games. It was relatively close at halftime. I believe, was it 21 to 14? Might have been the score. Um, That's a close game. That's a one-score game. That's a game that any football team needs to stay and come out fighting at halftime. And they just seem to forget how to produce on offense the whole game, but at the worst possible time, which was when this game was close. And that forced the defense into a really difficult situation because they were basically on the field three quarters of the whole second half. So finding ways to win these close games and not being the one that is dominated in these situations is just something that this, this team needs to figure out. Yeah, and part of that, actually, I think a big part of that will be figuring out how to consistently produce on offense, taking advantage of those opportunities on offense and coming away with points. So far, the Giants have really only had one good offensive day, and that was against Tampa Bay. They scored 17 points week one, 14 points week two, then they had the 32 in week three. On offense, they only scored 17 points again against Washington because Jabril Peppers had that pick six, and then 10 points again against Minnesota, and then seven points on offense this week because, again, you had the scoop and score from Marcus Golden. That's Those points count, but they're not offensive production. So that's something the Giants are just going to have to figure out. Hopefully getting their offense healthy, eventually getting – Barkley and Ingram and Shepard all back at the same time will help because you do need weapons. But it's just things they need to continue to work on. This being a very, very young team, there is obviously a lot that they're going to need to work on. And it's going to be a slow and gradual process until they figure out their identity and resolve all these issues we continue to bring up each and every week. We just have to be patient. We have to hope for the best. And next week, they actually have a good opportunity to beat a team that has also been struggling, and that's the Arizona Cardinals. So we'll be looking out for the game. We'll be preparing to talk about that one. Also be looking around on Tuesday like we typically do with our deep dive show where Chris and I will get a chance to look at the tape, get a look at the film, and give you a more accurate sense of the more detailed things we might have noticed. Uh, All in all, though, that's going to be it from us, folks. Thank you for tuning in. As always, be sure to follow everyone on social media, the Twitter account at BigBlueView. Also follow Chris and I on Twitter at JoeDeLeon, spelled D-E-L-E-O-N-E. 
and follow Chris at RaptorMKII. Also follow the Instagram account at big underscore blue underscore view. Finally, wherever you're listening to us or if you happen to stumble upon us, be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, and let us know what you think about the show. Thank you for tuning in, folks. 